What's happening, y'all? Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Bush coming at you solo today to bring you my top five most overrated rookies in Dynasty rookie drafts this offseason or my rookies to avoid basically in Dynasty rookie drafts. As I always say when it comes to bus videos, I don't typically like being negative, but sometimes we got to take a long, a hard look in the mirror and say that I don't want these prospects in my rookie draft. The risk outweighs the reward, and I will let my league mates take that risk and live with the consequences if they hit and I miss on them. So if you guys enjoy this video at any point, uh, hit the like button, comment any of your thoughts down below, and subscribe to the channel if you are new. Comment down below who is the most overrated prospect, in your opinion, in Dynasty rookie drafts as it currently stands. Now let's hit the intro. Like the underrated video, which will be linked down below, this is only players that are top 24 picks in ADP right now. It doesn't serve you for me to tell you not to draft nobody's going in the third and fourth round because missing on those picks doesn't hurt you. So by all means, draft whoever you want in the third and fourth round of your rookie drafts. These are my biggest discrepancies between the market value, which is represented by keep trade cut and my own super flex rookie rankings. And if you guys want access to my rankings, Danny's rankings, all of our rankings, you can get them one of two ways, either one by becoming a patron on patreon.com forward slash fantasy stock exchange link down below for that, or by signing up and depositing on underdogfantasy.com using promo code FSE, you'll get a hundred percent match back from them on whatever you deposit. And you'll also get our dynasty rankings manifesto for free as a thank you for using our code. And before anybody says it in the comments, yes, I've watched the tape on these guys, five play, uh, five games of all 22 and their player cards with my exact grades are also available on Patreon as well. So I have done my research on these guys. I'm not just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. So the first guy that we're going to talk about my fifth biggest discrepancy in terms of consensus ranking versus where I have them currently ranked is Christian Watson wide receiver from North Dakota state consensus 16th overall player, my 17th overall player. So again, this is within the top 24 players in ADP. So it's only a one spot discrepancy between where I have Christian Watson and where consensus has him. Hence why he's only my fifth biggest uh, you know, player to avoid. The reason I'm lower on Christian Watson is because he's basically the first player on the board where I say that this draft is starting to get ugly and where the talent pool in this draft kind of drops off. It's more so what he represents rather than where he's actually ranked. He's like the tear break for me. And the reason is that there's just so much wrong with Christian Watson's profile. The good things are obvious, right? He's an elite athlete, but we know, you know, elite, uh, elite athleticism doesn't necessarily correlate to fantasy wide receiver production. Uh, the most so elite athleticism can only go so far. He had a great draft process, senior bowl, combine, etc. He's expected to be drafted in the first 50 picks or so of the NFL draft, and he's very explosive, like I said. So that's the good about Christian Watson. But the problem is that this dude needs major work before he can be an NFL wide receiver. He doesn't have any concept of how to run routes, as we talked about with Trevor Sikama on the matchmaker video. He has very questionable hands as well. The film guys don't love him which is, you know, a problem because he just screams to me, the guy that we should have been like a couple of years from now. Yeah, we probably should have known that that guy was going to be a bust because the, he never produced in college. He never produced uh, at the level we wanted to see him produce. And that should have been a big time red flag. And on paper, it's even worse than it was on film for Christian Watson. On, on paper, however you slice it, having one season of only a 20% dominator rating as he did this season as a 22-year-old senior on an FCS team, that's typically far superior than their competition is not good. However you slice it. He also had a top three pick at quarterback and Trey Lance for the first three seasons that he was at North Dakota state. So 
This is a dude that just flat out didn't produce. And even when you adjust it relative to how much they pass the ball, the numbers are still not great. The breakout age, the dominator rating, it's still not great. Christian Watson having 732 receiving yards and six touchdowns in a season where Trey Lance threw like 36 touchdowns and zero interceptions is not something that you want to see from a top 50 pick at wide receiver and potentially a guy that's going to go in the first round. To me, I can poke a million analytics holes in Christian Watson until I'm blue in the face. But the best advice that I can give you about Christian Watson is just let your league mates buy the upside because people love to throw around the term upside willy nilly and say things like, well, at this point in the draft, I just like to chase upside. But the problem is Christian Watson has that chase Claypool level ceiling in his range of outcomes, which isn't anything spectacular, but it is his upside, I would say. And it's like a 15% chance of happening. But there's a guy like David Bell going in a similar area of the draft and going actually after him in the draft who doesn't have elite athleticism, whose range of outcomes is somewhere between Sterling Shepard and Miami Dolphins, Jarvis Landry. So it's a lot tighter of a range of outcomes, whereas the range of outcomes for Christian Watson is he's, you know, a complete bust out of the league in two years, or he becomes the next Chase Claypool or something like that. It's a lot wider of a range of outcomes. Chase range of outcomes in your rookie drafts, especially in the early second round, those picks still matter. It's not like we're talking about a third, fourth round rookie pick. Because if Christian Watson was going in the third or fourth round, I would say, by all means, chase the upside, take a swing at him, because that's where Chase Claypool was going when he came out of college. But in the mid-second round, you want to take calculated swings. But if Watson goes to the the Green Bay Packers or the Kansas City Chiefs, ain't no shot he's going in the mid-second round. He's going to be a back-end first round pick. And at that point, no shot that I take the risk there. Overall, likely a guy that I let my league mates draft also, because as is pretty much everybody on this list, I think the risk outweighs the reward with Christian Watson. And I also think the risk is far more likely of happening because of the profile. Now, number four on this list is kind of a similar type of player in George Pickens, wide receiver from Georgia, consensus 10th overall player. So a first round guy, my 16th. So I have him about a mid second round pick. He's going at the back end of the first. And even though I have Pickens quite a bit lower than consensus, it's not like I hate the guy. I just think he's a little bit overrated. The thing that everybody goes back to with George Pickens is the mystical land of make-believe that he was ever considered the wide receiver one in this class. Because people like to say that going into the season, oh, I had him as wide receiver one. I'd ask them, why? Why did you have him as wide receiver one? Because what I saw with Pickens uh, early in his career, 2020, this season when he came back from the ACL tear, is a one-dimensional player. He's a good but not elite athlete. So he ran high four fours at 6'3", 195 pounds. He's got good size but not great size. That can align at X wide receiver, but he's basically all the bad narratives about guys like DK Metcalf coming out. Remember when DK Metcalf was coming out, everybody said he was stiff. He couldn't run horizontal routes. He has low agility, not a full route tree. That's basically what we have with George Pickens. Down below, you guys can see a target percentage by route chart courtesy of PFF. And you'll notice that in George Pickens's category, the only routes that he was getting consistent targets in and high target shares in was goes. So, you know, just running straight down the field and hitches where he basically curls off of a go. So those both are two vertical route concepts and he pretty much wasn't getting targeted on any other kind of route. And you might say if you're a George Pickens stand, which I know a lot of you guys are because we got a lot of comments on the George Pickens tail of the tape. That might be a function of his role in the offense. That's just how they used him. The quarterback play wasn't great. That's all well and good, but we're strictly talking about commanding targets here, not being productive or whatever. He wasn't winning on those routes consistently as the bottom line. Ergo, he wasn't being targeted. And he's got a very defined skill set at the next level. You have to play X wide receiver, win on vertical routes against press coverage, and anything short that you earn will probably be hitches and, and stuff, uh, stuff like that. And that was the blueprint that made DK Metcalf successful, and it's the blueprint that made Mike Evans successful as well. But the difference between Mike Evans and DK Metcalf and George Pickens is that those guys were a lot more productive in college, especially Mike Evans, 
and they're better athletes and they're bigger than him. So that's kind of the difference between those two guys. He's kind of like a poor man's DK Metcalf from every sense of the word. And that's, I don't mean that as a compliment, basically reception perception numbers are also decent for George Pickens, but they're not great against press coverage, 86th percentile success rate. But again, a wide receiver who never had a 20% target share in college is going to have some concerns uh, from a man and zone beating standpoint, which you guys can see in his reception perception. George Pickens range of outcomes to me are on the high end. He's like DJ Chark, but on the low end, he's like Denzel Mims. That's the type of uh, range of outcomes that he has for me, which is a pretty wide spectrum because I consider DJ Chark like kind of a hit because he had one good season uh, and injuries have kind of marred him after that. Again, I'm not saying I hate the guy, but to put him in the stratosphere of the top five to six guys, the Burks, the Wilson, London, Alave, Jamison Williams, those dudes, Dotson, for me, it, it's just not um, the same type of prospect that I'm talking about. I do think the upside swing is warranted in the early second round if that's where his ADP ends up you know, solidifying after the draft. But I'm not going to be drafting a first round George Pickens because I don't think he's a complete player. And even if he goes to a prime landing spot like Kansas City or Green Bay, again, I will let my league mates draft him and take on that risk. Now, number three on this list is Kenny Pickett. And he is currently going off the board as the consensus ninth overall player in Superflex drafts, my 18th overall player. So I am nine spots lower on Kenny Pickett than where he is currently settling in. He is the most overrated prospect in this class, bar none at the quarterback position. If I could draw up a quarterback and uh, prospect in a lab, it would look something like this. A five-star recruit coming out of high school, a three-year starter, including as a true freshman, Early declare as a true junior, 90th percentile numbers across the board, yards per attempt, college QBR, all that kind of stuff. 21 years old or so when he's coming out of the draft and a top five NFL draft pick in terms of draft capital. That prospect profile that I just outlined would have been very similar to Trevor Lawrence last year. Uh, that's the like blueprint that we're looking for in an elite quarterback prospect, hence why Trevor Lawrence was so highly decorated coming out last year. Outside of first round draft capital, Kenny Pickett literally checks none of those boxes. Pickett is a five year redshirt senior who was objectively terrible until this season. He's going to be 24, 24 and a half through his rookie year. He was a low recruit coming out of high school, low percentile uh, numbers in terms of his QBR and yards per attempt and all that kind of stuff. He broke out for two reasons, in my opinion, this season. Number one, he's an experienced quarterback being a four-year starter in the ACC as a 23-year-old playing for the most part against 18 to 20-year-olds. So that's the first reason why he probably broke out. And number two, is that he had a sophomore sensation in Jordan Addison, who I, I swear to God, Jordan Addison is going to be one of the best wide receiver prospect grades that I give because this kid is special. He is in the, the you know, all talked about 2023 class next year. And he bailed out his quarterback more than I've ever seen from a college wide receiver. This kid is awesome. And he boosted the hell out of Kenny Pickett's draft stock. So he probably owes him a little bit uh, of his signing bonus money to Jordan Addison because this dude is, is phenomenal. But a breakout season, combine that with what sounds like great intangibles from the NFL's perspective. I'm sure he's interviewed well, leadership's off the charts because he's an older player, he's more mature. That makes sense. The same way that it did with Daniel Jones a few years ago, I think Kenny Pickett is going to be very, very overdrafted, potentially at six overall to Carolina, ironically, where um, Daniel Jones went also in the draft at sixth overall. Kenny Pickett's range of outcomes are maybe, just maybe he turns into Ryan Tannehill at the absolute ceiling. But the far more likely scenario, in my opinion, is that he's Daniel Jones. He's Sam Darnold. He's a middling young quarterback prospect that his team is somewhat excited about. And his, he should hold dynasty value for that reason, because he's a rookie quarterback locked into at least two to three years that he's going to be a starter, which matters in Superflex. But that's where it stops, in my opinion. Combine that with the fact that 
His play under pressure is really bad. And many of the quarterback needy teams like Carolina, like Pittsburgh, like some of the other teams that could draft a quarterback, these teams all have really bad offensive lines. And that scares the shit out of me from what I saw on film with Kenny Pickett because he was terrible under pressure. I'm going to let my league mates take the cheese on Kenny Pickett. He's a starting quarterback. That's always going to have value in uh, super flex drafts. If I pick near the end of the round, let's say 9, 10, 11 overall, wherever his ADP settles in, I'm going to talk to my league mates. Hey, come secure your QB3. Come secure a young quarterback too and give me your 202 in this year's draft and a second in next year's draft. That's how I'm going to sell it. And then at that 202, I'll just draft Sky Moore, who I would rather have straight up than Kenny Pickett. And I also picked up a second in next year's draft. So again, another guy that I'm going to let my league mates draft, probably dangle the cheese in front of to make sure that I can trade down away from where Kenny Pickett probably is going to go in actual drafts to make sure that I'm getting the best value that I possibly can. Now, number two, and uh, number one is also a running back as well, but number two is Rashad White, running back from Arizona State, consensus 18th overall player, so a mid-second round pick, my 29th overall player. So I'm not touching this dude until the third round, minus 11 spots on ADP. There's a pretty similar theme with these top two guys, especially bad running backs that will get pushed up the uh, up the board because this class is very dicey outside of Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker. So Rashad White is not an NFL caliber runner of the football, in my opinion. He also didn't score well for other people's uh, you know, models and opinions that I trust. Lance Zerline, who's been very, very historically accurate at rating running backs, has him as a special teams type of talent. He doesn't have him as a you know workhorse running back or anything that fantasy Twitter will tell you. He has him as a special teams caliber player. Yards created from Graham Barfield, he ranked in like the 20th percentile. Our, uh, our buddy Angelo, who we had on uh, talk about Rashad White, he also has some concerns about Rashad White as a runner as well. I saw a guy with average feet, not great instincts, and vision running the ball. He also looked to bounce pretty much everything outside, and he's a hesitant runner. He's a great athlete. He's great receiving ability. That's all well and good with him, but 6.01% broken tackle percentage is the, uh, is the fourth lowest percentage in this class. Only one year of solid power five production. And again, he's also much older than his competition at 23 years old. So he's currently my RB10 in the class as it currently stands. The only reason I have him as even RB10 is because of the receiving ability and the athleticism that we saw from him at the combine and the receiving numbers we saw in college because his receiving profile is truly, really good. It's 98th percentile target share good. Like this is a dude that has a great uh, receiving profile, but not much else. We also don't know how NFL teams are going to value this dude. He seems right now like a guy that the fantasy community is much higher on than the NFL, just like Kenneth Gainwell last year. We saw Kenneth Gainwell go in the fifth round because uh, as a fantasy community, we were, we were enamored with the receiving ability. We covered that receiving ability, which is smart for PPR leagues, but I don't understand the draw of Rashad White as a three down back because I didn't see it. I saw a guy who looked on the high end like Kenyon Drake and on the low end like Charles Sims, Buccaneer great, who was basically just a pass catching running back. That's all he did. It's basically who White reminds me most of. Once you get to the point that Rashad White is the best running back on the board, my advice is just trade for veteran running backs or next year's picks because I don't think Rashad White is worth a mid-second round pick or a late second round pick or even an early third round pick. This is a guy that I'm probably going to pick in the mid-third round unless he gets you know, top 75 draft capital or something like that because I prefer Tyler Algier. I prefer James Cook, Damian Pierce, Brian Robinson, Bam Knight, Pierre Strong, all two. Rashad White. I have all those guys ranked ahead of him, especially considering I'm expecting a guy to go day three of the NFL draft and draft capital for the most part is going to shake up that middle, you know, mess of uh, running back tier. And Rashad White currently, according to grinding the mocks, is expected to go at pick 117.5, according to an aggregate of a bunch of mock drafts. So Rashad White is not a guy that is expected to be a top 60 pick or top 70 pick 
And I don't think uh, the fantasy community is really added to that yet. Either way, don't buy the hype with Rashad White. His profile is not worth betting on. He has definitely some redeeming qualities like his receiving and his athleticism, but he has more question marks plus probably low draft capital to boot. Let your league mates get take locked into thinking Rashad White can overcome some of these things. We see this every single year. Last year, people were still drafting Kenneth Gainwell in the second round. And the reason they were doing it is because they had pre-draft bias of Kenneth Gainwell being a three down back. But when you get drafted in the fifth round, that, that three down ability only comes into effect when you're either just way better than you were anticipated or number two, when an injury happens. So could he be David Johnson? Like some people have comped him to there's like a 1% chance. If David Johnson's profile came out again in this draft class, an older running back prospect, small school, but a great receiving profile, I would be against it 10, like nine times out of 10. If David Johnson was in this draft class, I probably would miss on him because his profile was not good. And Rashad, White's profile is probably even worse than David Johnson was. Uh, David Johnson was an outlier and Rashad White is no David Johnson. So he's a guy that I'm, again, going to let my league mates draft wherever they deem appropriate because it's probably going to be higher than where I value him. And number one, the most overrated prospect in dynasty rookie drafts right now is Georgia running back Zamir White. Consensus 19th overall player, my 32 overall player. So I have him 13 spots lower than consensus. I would not touch this guy until the late third round of a rookie draft. Without a doubt, the biggest Fugazi in the 2022 rookie draft class, in my opinion, is the unwarranted love for Zamir White. Buckle up because this one's going to be pretty negative. I challenge anybody in the comments right now, if you guys love Zamir White, tell me what he does better than the average street free agent on the veteran market right now. He has 440 speed. Sure. Damian Williams is not signed to a team right now. He can run that fast. I would rather have Damian Williams for, you know, a million dollars or whatever than Zamir White. Maybe that's the only draw of Zamir White is that he's going to be a late round pick, cheap running back production. But but Zamir White, according to Graham Barfield in the video we dropped a few days ago, had a zeroth percentile yards created score. He is the worst running back since 2016 of yards created per attempt. So we have a guy that is completely not dynamic whatsoever. We have like 100 prospects that have come out since 2016 that Graham Barfield has charted. He is the least creative and the least dynamic of all of those running back prospects. Receiving and third down usage is absolutely non-existent. 17 career receptions and a target share in the 12th percentile. Not to mention he is a 19.5 PFF pass blocking grade, which ranks dead last in the class. The good with Zamir White is that he's big, he can hit home runs and he's physical, but that's the end of the list. That's really all he can do. Uh, on top of all that, he also comes from a split backfield at Georgia from a huge collegiate powerhouse where they're much more talented than most of the opponents that they played this year because they won the national championship. And all he could muster efficiency wise was 5.4 yards per attempt for, as a 4-4 runner behind that offensive line. Zamir White and James Cook both ranked in the top four of yards blocked per attempt, according to Graham Barfield as well. So this is a guy that his offensive line did him a lot of favors and he wasn't able to make anything happen really efficiency wise. And the cherry on top of all of this is that he also has medical concerns. He's torn his ACL twice all around. I don't want any part of he's just a complete off my board type of player. I'm not rooting against Zamir White. I'm not rooting against any of these players. I'm just a guy on YouTube. I hope all these guys prove me wrong, but I would be flabbergasted if Zamir White ever became a great running back, ever became a great fantasy option outside of handcuff value or replacement level value at best. So once again, I do apologize for being so negative in this video. Typically, I like pop, uh, pumping prospects up, talking about sleepers and stuff like that. But sometimes we have to be objective. Sometimes we have to look in the mirror and say, I don't want them. I will let my league mates draft these guys. And if I'm wrong, I will deal with the consequences because 
I've done this before. I, this isn't my first rookie draft where I've given analysis and I've been wrong on prospects before. These are the guys I feel most comfortable being wrong on, basically. And the guys that I, I'm just not drafting, I'll let my league mates draft them and deal with whatever repercussions come from that. So if you guys enjoyed this video, as always, like the video, comment any of your thoughts down below. Subscribe to the channel if you are new as well. I was out at the bar last night, so my voice is a little scratchy. So if you made it to this point in the video, just tell me uh, how my voice sounded throughout the video. Comment down below your most overrated prospect in the class as well. And like I said at the beginning of the video, if you want our Dynasty rankings or anything that we have available on Patreon, check it out. If you just want our Dynasty rankings manifesto, check out Underdog Fantasy as well. Sign up and deposit using promo code FSE and you'll get 100% on whatever you put in. So if you put in 20 bucks, you'll have $40 on the site to work with. And you'll also get our Dynasty rankings manifesto totally for free as a thank you for using our code. So that being said, guys, peace out. I'll talk to you soon.